It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. podcast we talk about reaching different learning styles how looking for players who have heart and head are some of the most important aspects of recruiting and how effort can really help cover up a lot of things and joining us to discuss those things is the edges coach at washington state aj cooper coach cooper great to have you here today hey keith how you doing appreciate you having me on we got to start right there uh the edges coach you are the first guy on this podcast who is listed as the edges coach and uh you know talk to us a little bit explain to me and our audience what the edges coach is you know the edges you know we're we're a four two five defense here at washington state so uh, the edges refer to what a lot of people would think is defensive ends but uh really they're guys that have to have a lot of multiplicity they have the number one thing we're looking for is those guys being able to rush the passer Obviously, being able to maintain gap leverage, also be able to stunt and twist, uh, whether it's in runs or passes, and then being able to drop in coverage. So we wanted – they do a lot of unique things, um, and so we wanted a name that was unique and different. You know, I think that sometimes there's a stereotype of what a defensive end is, uh, whether it's a a high school kid we're recruiting, whether it's another college coach that's recruiting against us, whatever it is. But we wanted to be different and unique in that right because we feel like those guys are. Well, you guys are doing a, a lot of things, I think, that are unique at Washington State, and we'll get into some of that as we go through this episode. But I want to go back to you for the beginning of this. For you, you know, what was it that made you want to become a football coach and do that as a career? You know, I, you know, I, I, uh, I had an interesting path. I, I was that guy in college. I played junior college ball at Glendale Community College in Arizona, and then went to North Dakota State. And I was that guy that didn't really know what his major was. I. I started leaning towards criminal justice, and uh, after I got, uh, I, I had a good senior season, got myself into a camp with the Green Bay Packers, and I got cut, and I still had my fifth year on scholarship, so I went back to North Dakota State and was a student assistant and was finishing my criminal justice degree and helping out with the team, and, and, and Coach Bowl, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I loved being around the guys, and, and I had a couple of really, I had a really good position, co- a couple of really good position coaches that I just saw their passion and their enthusiasm, and things kind of started to click, you know, when you're young, you, you, you don't see a bigger picture, but you know, I was in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to graduate and go to air, back to Arizona and maybe do border patrol or something, law enforcement. And, um, 
you know, Coach Bowl came up to me one day, I think towards the end of the uh, 2006 season, you know, asked me what I thought about being a grad assistant. And I'd be honest, it hadn't, I knew I liked what I was doing and was really enjoying it, but it hadn't crossed my mind. And I was like, okay, you know, and from there, I mean, it just took off. And, you know, I'm to the point now where I don't know what else I would be doing, you know. Um, I love my job. Every, yeah, there's good days and bad days, but I don't feel like I'm working. So, um, I guess I got to give a lot of credit to the, the high school coaches that, that, and junior college coaches that, that supported me and, and, and really showed me now that I look back at the examples of what types of men they were, not just coaches and, and, and how they cared for their players and, and also how they coached and developed their players. In, in coming through and getting your start at North Dakota State, uh, you're around a lot of success. Uh, it's a program mm-hmm. that still continues to have success. It, it, they play a certain brand of football that is distinctly North Dis- Dakota State. Uh, how much of that played into your development of, of your philosophy and, and the way you teach um, that you learned early on as part of you today? Oh, huge part. You know, both sides of ball, just that program in general, it's going to be a physical smash mouth, tough outfit that you're going to give great effort at whatever you do. Um, we don't care about the talent level. If that makes sense, we're, we're going to try to outwork people and be more physical and, and in the same sense, be disciplined. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and that's really who I am as a coach today. You know, those are the type of guys I'm looking for. That's the way I'm going to coach those guys. Like effort's a huge piece, you know, and, and just the way that program operates, you know, and it's a very team first program. Like there's no way. And we all know some of the stars that have come out of there the last, you know, just the last couple of years alone, but you know, me knowing that place, you go back 50 or 60 years and see all the great players that come out of North Dakota state, but it's never been about one individual. It's always been about the team. Um, and that's something that I've always in the programs that I've been fortunate to work at since it's always been a big part. You know what I mean? I want to be somewhere where it's about the team. It's not about individuals and, and you get a bunch of hardworking dudes that are scrappy, that are tough and that are going to play their butts off. And, and when they put their face mask on you, you're going to feel it rep after rep, if that makes sense. I know you, before you and I got talking, you mentioned some guys who were influential on your career as, as mentors and guys you were able to learn from. Um, who were some of those guys and, and some of those key takeaways you had as, as you worked with them, as you played for them, uh, that, you know, again, are, are part of your philosophy of coaching, part of the way uh, that you do things today? Sure. No, I, you know, I always got to start off with my high school coaches. You know, I kind of, I had a tough, uh, uh, I was a single parent kid, you know what I mean? So I had three great men, uh, Dallas Hickman, Rich Carlberg, and Dan Mannix were my high school football, baseball, and basketball coaches that now that I look back at the lessons they were trying to teach me, it wasn't necessarily about being the best football, baseball, basketball player, but being a good person about doing things right, about being accountable. Um, and I, I still, I'll be honest, every time I get a new job or something great happens in my life, or, you know, I have a child, you know, we have a great year. So anything successful, I always write those guys or call or text those guys to thank them because I wouldn't be here without them. Uh, you know, Craig Bowl, uh, Coach Bowl, I, I worked, I played for Coach and, and worked for Coach for, what, 12, 13 years there. And, I mean, the, the amount of lessons and knowledge that, that he gave us. But at the same time, Coach Bowl, one of the best things that anybody will tell you about Coach working for him is he doesn't micromanage you. He lets you learn and lets you grow. You know, there's a distinct standard that he has, but you have freedom to grow within that. And and I take that as a coach 
and the guys I coach, like each one of those guys is different and how they pass rush or play the run. And so a lot of those things are the same way. I want them to grow and be the best version of who they are, not just be a cookie cutter, you know, uh, of being all being the same person, you know, and, and been so many coaches, Scotty Hazleton really gave me a great start. And, you know, I came over from offense as a GA and taught me D line play and, has been a huge influence. I, I've gotten to work with Scotty twice now. And, you know, there, there's a ton of guys. I, I've been really fortunate. Coach Bowl and now Coach Rowe, I've been fortunate to be with head coaches that hire good men, not just football coaches. So I'm, I've been constantly surrounded by good people that genuinely care about coaching kids and developing young men, uh, not just about winning games. So all those guys, and again, we could sit on here for probably a while, and I could probably shout out a ton of guys, but, uh, you know, those high school coaches and, and Coach Bowl and, and Coach Hayes have probably been the biggest influences. Um, and uh, I guess the biggest thing I've learned is, is to make sure those men know how much I appreciate that. I think appreciation is some, maybe something that's a lost a little bit today, and, and that's something I teach my guys is make sure you show respect and love to the people that helped you get there. You know, it takes you to the position you are now, the edges coach, and you explained a little bit of the idea behind calling that position that, which, you know, certainly, you know, in today's uh, age of recruiting, uh, I mean, you really got to meet the kids where they're at, and I think that's something that helps. And, you know, you guys are doing some some neat and innovative things at Washington State. I know I saw just this past week Coach Relovich hired – Marco Regalado and, and Marco's been on the podcast before. For those of you guys who don't recognize his name, just call him the TikTok coach. That's what he's been known <laughs> for. Um, you know, back a year ago when um, things were starting to shut down, he kind of started messing around with TikTok and made some funny videos. And as coaches, we I think all related to some of the characters he he was uh, putting on his videos. And and uh, and now he's helping out with recruiting at. Washington State you know why are those things so important to your program to to be able to I guess think outside the box and in your approach to this well I think I think you got to stay on the cutting edge with with the young men that we're recruiting you know and and what what social media outlets how are they viewing information right you know 20 30 years ago it was as via phone calls or, or official visit, right? And, and probably the letters that you wrote and those things have changed, you know, now you've got Zoom and FaceTime and and social media, Twitter and TikTok and Instagram, and all these different social media outlets. And I think you need to understand your audience and how you need to reach them best. And then within that, you got to understand yourselves. And, and I think being Washington State and Pullman are a great place. Um, but we've also known that we probably got to reach out to a broader network of people um, just from a proximity standpoint, you know, and, and I think, you know, compared to maybe a school that's in a, in a large metropolitan area, we, we've got to be able to reach a young man and maybe dispel some of the, uh, whether it's negative recruiting or perceptions that a kid's got about, you know, Pullman, Washington and, and where it's located and really show them why this is a great place for them and make sure it fits them. And I, and I think that's all a big piece of, listen, we're not trying to sell them that this isn't something that it is, if that makes sense. We want to be as honest and upfront um, while at the same time doing it in a matter that that young man is really going to be able to interact with that and engage with that and understand where we're coming from. And, you know, I, I think uh, our last recruiting or this class we just finished up shows that uh, to the point where I think three quarters of those kids, even though we couldn't see them, they end up coming up to Pullman because they were so intrigued by what we had showed them in this town, this university, what we're building here culturally. And they came up and saw it for themselves. And again, you know, for you NCAA rural guys out there, we didn't talk to any of them. You know, we all know we can't do that right now, right? But uh, 
they, they came and saw it for themselves. And the only way that occurs is if, if we presented something that really intrigued and excited those kids, if that makes sense. And, and I think, you know, you got to be green and growing or ripe or dying, you know, and, and maybe some of the, the older ways of recruiting, while those still work and those are still valuable, you got to be able to add new tools to your bag and continue to engage with these kids. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you're going to stay relevant, you kind of need to stay stay up uh, on top of, of what is important to them. And, you know, for you, that's an approach you take in your teaching of the game, that it's about attention to detail for you, but it really starts with understanding that your players have different learning styles for you being able to figure those out pretty quickly. But while you're doing that, being able to transfer that knowledge that you have to them in the ways that are relevant to them, meeting them in different ways. You have all kinds of different learning styles. If you could uh, share with us, what are the ways that um, you're able to reach those different learning styles? What are some of the things you do in your meeting room? Sure. No, the first is really setting the standard. Like when those guys in there come into my meeting room, I want them to be comfortable and understand they're in a learning environment. If that makes sense. I'm I'm a passionate, emotional coach. I'll bark but I really try to lead that more to the field. I want them comfortable in the meeting room. I want them learning. I want them asking questions. You know what I mean? I think with a lot of these kids, it's just getting them to, uh, to understand it's okay to ask a question. You know what I mean? Sometimes whether it's in high school or, or some other experience they've had, you know, there's that stigma. Oh, there's a dumb question. And one of the first things that I tell them, there are no dumb questions, right? If you don't know, that's my job to make sure you do, if that makes sense. Um, and so when I get them in there, uh, especially when I get them as freshmen, I'm trying to figure out how they learn, right? Are they a visual learner? Are they a hands-on learner? When I say visual, do they need to see a PowerPoint drop? Do they need to see a picture of the front or the formation? Uh, do they need to see the video and the cut-up to, to make sense of it? Do they need a, a, a diagram, a word diagram of the explanation of the blitz or the run stun or whatever we're doing, right? Um, or are they, you know, and a lot of D linemen are – hands-on walk through feeling it seeing it touching it do it if that makes sense um but i try to identify a couple ways they do it and i have to keep those things in my head another way i actually have uh, magnets you know i have 22 magnets offensive defense and so i'll meet one-on-one with guys and actually have them move the magnets around for their responsibility or schemes that we're seeing because some of them learn through their hands i learned that one through coach bowl actually and so just, I, I always keep that in my head about knowing which way my guys learn. So as I'm going through a meeting, uh, listen, some guys might get, if I'm just sitting there watching a cut up, that might be great for one of my guys. But another of my guys only getting about 20% of that information. It's my job to make sure that whether we go to a walkthrough or whether I've got a different style of teaching that I hit that with them. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what they know, not what I know. And, and I think, especially in today's age, again, you really got to meet those kids there and not just say like, okay, this is the one way I'm teaching and coaching it. And that's it. You've got to be really flexible with these young men, understand their backgrounds, understand where they're coming from, understand how they learn and really reach out to them. Cause when they see that, that's when you build trust. When they see that you care about them doing well and then knowing what to do and them being successful, that's when they're going to really play for you. You know, the old saying, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When they see that, and the effort that I put in in our meeting rooms and our walkthroughs and the attention to detail, well, then I want them to start to understand, okay, this is important. He, he, he wants us to be successful, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that happens. 
if that makes sense. So it, it becomes a cyclical deal in, in that sense. And uh, th- that's always something personal. I've always take, taken a lot of pride on. That was something uh, the coaches I've been around, especially like Coach Bull, really, really hammered on us as coaches that and held us accountable to. Is like, hey, your meetings better be on point. And you guys are teaching them. You know, we'd sit there and watch film and you'd say, ah, you know, this guy's not doing this, this guy's not doing that. And he would sit there and look at us and go, you're coaching him. Why isn't he doing that? Right. You know what I mean? Is it, is it a scheme issue? Is, is it a technique issue? Is it a fundamental issue? Does he not understand the concept or is he choosing not to do it? Right. And, and three of those four, whatever, apply to the coach. It doesn't apply to the kid. If the kid's choosing not to do it, okay, that's one thing. But everything else revolves around how you're coaching it. You know what I mean? How we need to reach that kid uh, to make sure that he and we are successful. So, yeah, that, that's always been a huge part of me. Uh, to make sure I teach those kids and, and really figure out how they learn and, and how I can develop them the best. When you look at the the film aspect of this, right, we're going to evaluate and, and, and teach a lot off of film. Have you found any methods better than the others? Again, knowing that you have those different learning styles in a room, uh, any any tips or uh, methods that you feel work best in in hitting all those learning styles? Well, the biggest thing is, is my guys know, and I provide it to them, you know, a notebook and pen and paper. And, and Coach Bowl used to say this. Uh, i got to make sure I say this one right. The dullest pencil is sharper than the sharpest mind. And what that means is they're all going to learn through writing things down, right? And so I, I really teach. And, and some kids, I have to teach how to take notes as they're watching plays. Some guys are fantastic at it. Um, but that concept when they're sitting in the meeting room to be taking notes, not just on a concept, but on what they're doing on every play, you know, good, bad, or different, because every time they write something down, they're learning through their hand. You know what I mean? And I had guys, and one of the coolest was uh, two years ago at Wyoming, uh, going into the 2019 season, I had a, a senior captain, Josiah Hall, and I'd coached him all five years of his career. And I remember taking this notebook after the first day of fall camp install and showing it to the young guys. And this is a guy, this is the same defense, same install. He had heard, you would say, what, 10 times, right? Spring and fall install. And he had over a page of notes on the same defense, the same stance, the same alignments. Like, and that's, that was my point to the guys is you got as veteran a guy in that program as you were going to find with the amount of experience that he had. And look at the attention to detail. Look at the notes he's writing those are going to make him better. You know what I mean? Because again, he's learning through his hands. He's reemphasizing the coaching points. You know what I mean? He, he's thinking about the details and things. And, and so that's that. And I'm in the process of teaching my guys here at, at uh, my edges here at Washington state that some, some are better off than others to start. But again, that learning that that's, that would be the big thing when I'm talking to coaches, you know, high school, college, whatever level it is, is make sure they're writing stuff down in meetings. They're not just a place to sit there and watch tape. You know what I mean? Because they can go in, in one ear and out the other real quick, but make sure they're writing it down. Because um, a lot of times, too, you, you'll find that maybe there's a coaching point that you think is clear to you as a coach that when the kid's looking at his notes, he's like, now, coach, what did you mean by that? And you read your note and you realize, okay, maybe it's not as clear as I thought if, if that's the way he's perceiving that information, right? So it also makes me better because they're going back through the notes, looking at questions going, hey, coach, you know, what about this? What about this? And I go, okay. Maybe the way I'm coaching that, explaining that detail and that isn't the best for these kids, and I've got to clean that up. When you look at the, the types of guys that you want to get in your room, you know, through the recruiting process, um, where does it start for you? What is it that you're really looking for first 
as you get into recruiting a guy? Sure. You know, the first things are not physical. They're, I want to know when, I, when I'm talking to a high school coach uh, and I'm getting to know that young man, I want to know how much he loves to play the game of football, not likes it. I want to know how much he loves it, right? Because this is, it's a demanding game. You know, we always used to say, uh, and not to knock basketball, I grew up playing basketball, but it, it's pretty easy to go in, in a basketball gym and shoot for two hours. You got to want to go out in the field in the summer condition. You got to want to go in the weight room and put 405 on your back and squat out, you know, four sets of eight, right? It, it's harder. I want guys that love to play the game of football, right? Because if you love something, then you're going to put passion and enthusiasm into it, right? If you like something at some point when things get hard, you're going to turn the other cheek. You're going to walk away from it. But I want guys that love the game of football, and I want guys that love to work at the game of football, right, that love the weight room, that love extra running sessions, that love watching film that, that, that are – that are sponges to it. Right. And that goes into being coachable. I want guys that are coachable, you know, and that's why for me personally, I love multi-sport athletes because a multi-sport athlete in high school is being coached by different people, right. Different personalities. Like coachability is a huge, huge piece. You can take a great, you can get a great player, but if he's not coachable, his ceiling is only going to be so high. He's only going to develop to a certain point where if you, if you get a player that's maybe a little less talented, but he's coachable, he will develop, he will become a better player because he constantly wants to improve and get better. And, and so again, that love for the game and the coachability are, are the two things that I'm asking right away. You know, obviously now I want to know about their academics. I want to know about their character as far as, you know, their off the field behavior, what type of people are they in their communities? Um, and then the athletic piece, you know, we want athletes, you know, and I, and I tell, I really have to spend a lot of time talking to high school coaches. Like I don't just give me your D lineman. Like, I want that big running back. I want that big safety. The, the best players that I've coached, and I'd say probably up to this point, the best player that I've coached was named Kyle Emanuel. He played at North Dakota State. And, um, Kyle was actually with the Texans this last year and been with the Chargers before. Kyle was a high school running back and linebacker. But he was a big, explosive athlete. Kyle was, a, I believe he was a three- or four-sport athlete. I know he played – I think he played – I know he played basketball. I think he ran track and played soccer as well. Like he had a huge developmental ceiling. He was a really good student. He was a highly competitive kid. I mean, when you talk about highly competitive, I wouldn't watch him play high school basketball. They lost. He put up about 30 or 20 and he kicked the door off the hinge walking out of the gym because he was so pissed. And I remember sitting next to his mom and his mom was like turning bright red and apologizing. And I'm going, that's awesome. I love that. That dude's competitive. He hates to lose. Like his team's important to him, right? And I remember actually walking out of that gym. Uh, it was in it was at Boys Town High School in Omaha, Nebraska. Kyle, Kyle was from Schuyler, Nebraska. I remember walking out of the gym and call, calling Coach Bowl, and we knew we had a good player. And I told Coach, I was like, Coach, I think we got a great one because his combination of all those things I just talked about was just you just didn't see that a whole lot. You know what I mean? To get all those boxes checked, so. Um, don't mean to be long-winded on that one, but yeah, I'm, I'm just looking for those guys that are, again, very coachable, um, that love the game, you know, that competitive piece I talked about. And then I want explosive athletes. I want guys that are explosive. Um, and, and for us and what we do, guys that have a natural ability to pass rush, because I do believe you can enhance and help guys get better at pass rush. But I believe the best guys that you watch day in, day out at any level, they have a natural feel and ability. Sometimes the best answer I can get from a guy if I'm asking about his pass rush move or why he did something he goes I don't know I just felt something I'm like that's a great answer you know what I mean in a split second you're able to your gut your instinct tells you something long before I can coach you exactly how it should be if that makes sense so 
those are all the things that, that I personally look for. And, and those are things that either I've, I've learned from other coaches or just coaching through experience, things you like, uh, things you don't like, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. In, in looking at the guys that you coach and, you know, again, these guys becoming more and more uh, hybrid type of guys. I mean, they're, they're athletic enough that they could be in pass coverage. Uh, they're coming off the edge and pass rush. A lot of things that they do, um, for you, what what do you uh, what's your approach to enhancing their athleticism that they have, uh, but making them better at technique? What are the some of the the things you do in your individual periods uh, that are sure, going to sure. develop these guys? You know, the, the first thing is making sure my teaching progression's on point. You know what I mean? And and a lot of times I either teach it frontwards, so like A B C D, right out of or I teach it backwards. So when I say A, B, C, D, okay, we're, we're working the stance first. Uh, you know, your stance, your eyes, your key, your responsibility, your technique. You know what I mean? Really, I'm huge in the hands. I'm huge in the hands. I, I want those guys striking and separating and being able to have vision on their key, being able to have vision on the ball, being able to use their hands. I tell them they got four eyes, right? You got eyes in your palms and you got eyes in your forehead. And you got to be able to use all four. And to me, you get that separation. Now you can see the ball and you can get rid of people and go make plays, if that makes sense. So, um, and, and when I mean backwards teaching, I mean now we'll start things in the fit position like they've already gotten in their stance, taken their step, seen their key and punched it, and then we'll work backwards from there. You know, it kind of depends on the kids, where they're at from a maturity standpoint. You know, what I found with younger groups, and, and I would consider – my group right now, a younger group, just because our, our staff and myself have only been here a year. So they're still learning the, the base foundation of fundamentals, but you got to put more full pitchers and keys in front of them. Where with older guys, you could break it down and go, all right, man, you already got off the ball. You're already in this position as a pass rusher. Now let's work this one fine two deal about you feeling your level with the quarterback and spinning back. Where with younger groups, because they don't have the repetition and foundation, you have to show them the full picture for them to be able to take it into, like for me, my goal is for them to take something individual, then to take it into a one-on-one, whether it's run or pass rep, to take it into an insider team rep, and then take it into a scrimmage, take it into a game, right? And that, that's how you know if you're coaching things the right way, because you can see, you should see your drills show up in team or in inside and obviously in game. So, you know, again, it's making sure, and I always try to explain the drills, whether that's either during meetings or before, like pre-practice, I'll explain the drills, or during practice, hey, this is why we're doing the drill. I don't want guys just up there going, okay, we're just doing this to do this. I want them to understand, like, hey, this is the coaching point. This is the specific part that we're trying to enhance and improve on, and this is where that drill correlates to. You know what I mean? Because I think these, these young men that we get, we're blessed to coach these days, they want to know why. Right. Like back in the day when I played, it was it was coach says, coach says, that's what you do. Coach says, that's what you do. That's fine. But now these kids want to know why. And that's okay. Like we've got to adjust and be able to coach these kids and and be able to reach them. And they want to know the why behind things. So then it's my job to explain the why. You know what I mean? So they understand when I'm when I'm busting their butts in these drills and we're pushing the tempo and we're trying to get a ton of reps, but we're doing it at a high pace or we're slowing things down i want them to understand the why and how that correlates if that makes sense and i want them to feel good when we're watching inside run or we're watching team and i go hey man you see that drill show up that's that drill right there i want them to feel good about that the work that they're putting in is having positive results because we only play what 12 13 times a year right think about how much practice goes into that like they've got to be feeling good about 
the work they're putting in Indy and in practice that they're going to get the results that they're hoping for. When you look at today's offenses in, you know, versus your guys, I mean, your guys are going to be responsible for that pass rush off the edge. They're going to be responsible for setting the edge on the run. Um, you know, we see more and more of those athletic tackles, you know, offensive tackles. Now we used to always call those defensive end guys. They'd be the freaks. And, you know, in, in a lot of ways you mm-hmm. have some athletes, but, but now you get these guys who are six, 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 seven, you know, 330 pounds who can run and, and really get after you. Um, I mean, it still takes now a, a lot of technique to equalize that, you know, for your guys who, uh, they're going to be red. They're they're going to be maybe run at with like an outside zone type of play, um, where you know somebody's trying to to get them reached, etc. Uh, what what uh, are some of the things you do to train them up to be effective in all those phases of the run game? Sure, I, I think the first thing is understanding. I agree, offenses have gotten more complex, uh, but at the same time, because of whether it's the tempo they're doing at or the formations, they're actually giving things away, right? You know, a lot of these up-tempo teams, you're in gun and they're offsetting that back. Hey, a back offset to one side, you can cut the number of runs down that you're going to get, which means for an edge or even for our inside guys, our defensive tackles, they can start to eliminate the type of blocks they're going to see. You know what I mean? They can start to go, okay, hey, it's gun far. Coach told me gun far this week. All, all I'm getting is reach blocks or tackle down, and I'm getting counters at me. Like, you can really narrow some things up. So now they can start going, okay, hey, it's gun far. I know first and 10 gun far, they're 80% run. And what mostly an outside zone team or a counter team, um, hey, now I'm going to take a look at that guy's stance. Okay, he's heavy in his stance, and he's leaning on his inside foot, which means he's coming to try to reach me. Like, they can, we talk about playing fast, and there's two parts to playing fast. Number one is knowing what you do, and then once you know what you do, to look across the line of scrimmage and see the keys or the tells that help tell you what you're going to get, if that makes sense. And so th- that, that's a big thing that – so it all goes back to the first thing i got to do is make sure they know what they're doing, right? i, I got to make sure they know – what their alignment is, you know, obviously the defensive call, what their role in the call is, why we're calling it, things like that. And then once they understand that and they've got a good stance and their eyes are in the correct place and they're good at striking with their hands, they're good at their base foundation of fundamentals. Now it's going, okay, hey, now let's start to look at that tackle. Let's look at the tight end. Okay, here's the backfield set right here. And that's the great thing about technology too. Man, in my PowerPoints, I'll have backfield sets. Okay, hey, hey guys, this week we get gun near wide back. Wide back for us is the tight end on. Hey, here are their top three runs. Okay, so you already know as a base six technique, boom, here are the top three things I could see. Now, do I still got to step, throw my hands, and play my technique? But, again, I'm able to eliminate things. So you can make the game simple. You can make the game simple. Let those kids play really fast and aggressive, right, just by teaching them the fundamentals of, hey, zone's got to go a certain direction if the back's over there, guys. Right or under center, this is what they like to do. Or oh, let's look at that tackle stance, man. He's narrowed his base right here. You know what I mean? He's light on his hand. We're getting this, if that makes sense. But I'll, I'll emphasize it all goes back to making sure that they know their fundamentals and they roll in the defense before you can have them start looking at those other keys and tells. The the outside zone or the uh, you know the wide zone scheme becoming a popular part of of almost every offense now. I know. For a long time, we're mm-hmm. seeing a ton of inside zone. Uh, it seems like the last couple of seasons, more and more trending to teams now really uh, using the wide zone. And we've seen it popular at the NFL level, right? You know, uh, I think a couple years ago, you got 
uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan in, in, in the Super Bowl, you know, those guys, a lot of what they were doing mm-hmm. uh, on the back of the wide zone. Uh, you go to the college level, everybody's running it now. I see a ton at the high school level. And as I mentioned, you know, setting the edge, very important on that play. I mean, if, if you can't get the edge set consistently on the wide zone play, it's going to be a long day. So uh, talk uh-huh. us through or, or share with us the, the technique that you work on uh, to help your guys set the edge. Well, the first thing is, is realizing what their key is doing. Their key is coming towards you. He's coming really fast. And on, you know, it's probably about half and half. Where's the tackle's eyes, right? Are they on the inside part of your helmet? Are they head up or are they on the outside part of your helmet? Right? That it truly tells you, you know, are you getting stretched or are you getting, like you're talking about, that wide zone play where those guys are almost like elephants on parade. They're running the sideline. You know what I mean? For us, it's really important to stay on a train track. And that doesn't mean, like, when you talk about setting the edge for us, that doesn't mean we're always going to be, quote-unquote, the out, outside of the tackle and set the edge. Because if that dude wants to turn and run to the sideline, good for him. Why can't I run through his inside shoulder and set the edge and force the ball to cut back off his inside shoulder as long as I'm vertical, I'm violent with my hands, and I force that ball to cut back, if that makes sense. Like, I think sometimes offenses – use that against defenses where D linemen are fighting so hard to stay in their gap that those guys are turning and running lateral or sideline to me. And for me, that some of it comes back to a little bit of just my offensive experience as a player and as a coach when I was younger was understanding like, Hey, they want you guys, you know, I'll talk to my guys. Here's the point of this. They want you guys turning and running. Right. And there may be some defenses where you got to do that, but stay on a freaking train track. And ultimately it's about the ball. It's not about the blocker. Does that make sense? And so on those wide zone plays, really focusing on those guys about staying on a train track and depending where that you make contact and that tackle's eyes are at, again, relevant to your inside eye, head up on you or your outside eye, do I set the edge outside? Do I run through the tackle? Or do I take it through his inside shoulder, if that makes sense? And uh, because we all know on those outside zone plays, that running back is key in the end man on the line of scrimmage, which should be us. Right. And so one of the biggest things do I I'd tell those guys too is whatever decision you make, freaking live with it. Right. The worst thing you can do on an outside zone play, stretch play, is you start jumping in and out. Right. Because now you got a safety, you got a backer, there's somebody behind you. And in our defense, Coach Dickard, Coach Banker do a good job with those guys. They'll feel us and make us right. But we got to give that guy a clear picture too. You know what I mean? We can't be. You bouncing around. If you're bouncing around, you better make the play. That's what I tell those guys. And you better be, you know, a good three or four yards upfield to do that type of stuff. You know what I mean? And there's certain guys that got leeway to do that, you know, because they've shown that they have the ability to make those plays. Um, but again, it, it's it's getting those young men to understand what's the point of the play, what's the uh, offense trying to put, attack us with, how are they trying to put us in conflict, and then it goes back to them using their hands then being upfield and setting a hard edge and being violent, getting separation so they can see the ball. That way when the ball does declare, they can shed inside or outside to go make that play. Um, so those are, those are all the things I see. But I agree with you, man. It's a, it's a big play that's really um, – it's a good play, especially you get those big athletic old linemen that can really run and move. It's, it's not easy, I'll tell you that. It's a hard play to stop. Yeah, definitely. When you can get the gaps moving against the defense, it, it becomes – uh, increasingly complex to maintain the gap responsibility. Like you said, the guys behind you, uh, they need to understand where their fits are. And, and you're right. If you're out there guessing, jumping around, well, you're putting in somebody else in conflict. No doubt. And then, you know, the guys behind you, 
you know, for us as D-line, you're going to feel generally run, pass, RPO, play action, pass. You're going to feel it at some point. Those guys behind them, especially with the new rules, no linemen downfield, which they never call, right? Um, that, you talk about a great pitcher. Like, those guys got a lot of things to process really quickly, where generally for us getting our hands on people in the hat level of the offensive lineman, it's going to tell you pretty quickly, right? Some O-linemen, O-line do a better job at, between run and pass or, or play action pass as it is. But, again, it's our job to be really aggressive, really disruptive, but to give those guys behind us clear pitches because I got a lot more things I got to process. You know, for us, we got the, you know, the B, C gap, whatever it is, D gap. Um, and we got pass rush responsibilities after the run. That dude might have to hinge and carry a, a two vertical, or he might have to look for a seam coming back over, or he might have to buzz to the flat, like, you know, and then carry a wheel. Like, they, they got a couple other steps after we do. So we better make sure that we're clean, concise, and aggressive so that dude can get to his other responsibilities, too. You know, when you look at, at your career so far, and I believe you're going into to year 15, you've been able to coach at some great places along the way. And I know. You know, a lot of coaches out there listening aspire to be able to do that. For you, though, uh, you know, the key things to be successful in this profession, what things would you point to as far as, um, you know, why you do this and how you are successful in the end? Sure. No, I, I think first thing, um, I don't care what level you have, put the young men first. You know, I, I, I'm here right now because I had some high school coaches when, when my parents were going through a divorce that they gave me a hug when I, when I needed it and they kicked me in the butt when I needed it and everything in between. And, you know, I always shout out Coach Carlberg, Coach Mannix, and, and Coach Hickman because I, I wouldn't be out here. With, I would not be here. I would not just be a football coach. I wouldn't be the man or father or the husband that I am without those guys. So, so put the young men first. And, and that's hard to do, you know, because we're, in a, we're also in the business side of a, a, essentially a results-based business, right? If you win, you get to keep coaching. At some point, if you lose, you might be able to coach, but you're probably going to have to do it somewhere else. And uh, it, it being able to balance those things. And, and you know, anybody knows knows me knows I'm a highly competitive guy. I hate to lose, like like most really good, obviously, coaches do. But it's also balancing that. You know, when I was a GA, I remember Coach Perlis read me a quote from Chuck Knoll that your, your success as a coach can't necessarily be de- defined as the wins and losses, you know, because of all the, the amount of time that we put into developing these young men, making sure that, we're also developing young men, you know, to be great leaders and, and people in their communities and great husbands when they're done. So that that's a big piece for me, you know, especially as guys get to know me when I get the guys coach guys multiple years, they see that, you know, the attention, the detail, the fundamentals, the work habits, the extra work I'm trying to teach them. Um, yeah, that correlates to success on the field, but I want to make sure when I see those guys in 10, 15 years that they're a great father, a great husband, they're successful in whatever they decide to do in life. Like for me, it's not just about the NFL guys I coach. It's about the guys that are doctors, lawyers, they're law enforcement, that they've got kids, that they've changed maybe a cycle of a home life that, that they came from, that they're the first person in their family to get a degree. So I guess that's my message out there to coaches. Is, is And that's hard as coaches. We get pressure from, you know, fan bases, administrators, you know, all the way up about winning and losing. But you still got to put the kids first, if that makes sense. And, and that means you, you got to do what's right for them. Uh, and sometimes you got to discipline discipline them like your own kids, you know what I mean? But you got to put the kids first. Uh, I, I think that's so important. And, you know, especially in college football, as the salaries go up, unfortunately, I think there's some coaches out there that are in it for the wrong reasons. And that's their deal. I can't control that. 
I just make sure that the young men that I recruit and then ultimately I get to coach, that them and their families know that they're going to get a coach that's in it for the right reasons and that's going to care about their son. He's more than just a guy that's going to, you know, run out there for Washington State on Saturday. You know, it means a lot more to me than that. And, and again, I, I, owe, I owe those young men that because I had coaches that did that for me. You know what I mean? And, and I really believe in paying it forward. Well, speaking of paying it forward, we were able to do something great in using our game, this, this uh, vehicle of football, um, to help some people out at Lawrence First and Goal Clinic, uh, what we hope to be an annual event because it was such a tremendous event. And you were able to present there. Uh, and and that, uh, that's still available. Uh, the the uh, premium pass, which gives you year-long access, is still available to the 15th, so a few days after uh, this podcast airs. Uh, but for our, our listeners out there who didn't see it, talk to us about what you presented on at Lawrence First and Goal. Sure. No, it was. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak, and uh, obviously a, a wonderful, wonderful deal just as far as the amount of money raised and for the cause that it's for. And yeah, I, I talked about uh, I talked about some tackling things at our edges. I, I'm really big on putting those guys in positions in the way they tackle in a game, right? It's, you know, Oklahoma drill doesn't really show up in today's game anymore because of the spread and because of the space that's in the game. Every now and then it does, but probably not as realistic as it was, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, right? And, and so it was really just a tackling progression for whether it's a, a defensive end, an outside linebacker, an edge, someone that's playing in space and how to teach it, teach it safely and, and really teach it now that, I think at every level, there are limits on the amount of quote-unquote live tackling reps you can actually get kids. You know what I mean? And so just some of the drills that, because that's big, I think all the way up from, I guess, peewee football, Pop Warner football, all the way up to the NFL. You know, it's not like the old days where you got, you know, 25 days in camp of of full thud or full pads. You know what I mean? And so really just drills that I've had success with, you know, and there's been a lot of learning through that, learning from – for me seeing it from a coach's perspective, from me talking to my players, hey, what do you like? What do you feel like is realistic? I like to hear it from them. I tell my guys all the time, hell, you guys are the ones that are doing it. What feels realistic to you, right? So just that, that tackling progression of tackling in space, the using your shoulders, the squeeze, the wrapping, the driving, of being aggressive and physical, but also doing that in a team perspective. We talk a lot here about your leverage and your cup and, and trusting your teammate that teammates that goes a lot in your effort and and then I talked about pass rush I talked about spinning a little bit I you know I and I've changed my beliefs I was actually I was talking to Corey Mace yesterday the D-line coach up at Calgary um I used to be a guy that really only taught spinning or worked with worked the spinning technique with guys that naturally did it and I've really changed that the last couple years and there may be certain guys that are great spinners and they'll do it on a dime and in different situations but want want everyone to have that ability to spin because at some point you're going to need to counter back. You're going to need to, you know, when the quarterback steps up, spin back in. So just some different, again, broken up progressions that teach those fundamentals and, and like in pass rushing, throwing it out there to guys and seeing if it sticks with them. And if it's another tool in their bag that can make them better and make them confident and, and play better then shoot, then I'm doing my job as a coach, you know? So hopefully, you know, I could spend hours talking about different things with D line play and, and technique and fundamentals, but just tried to have, couple things that maybe relate to whether again it doesn't matter what scheme or system you're in that that your guys that are rushing can can use and you know help those young men out yeah and that that uh clinic talk you did it was turned into a a course on coach tube and uh, again the proceeds from uh the sales on coach tube do go to support 
continued efforts of, of Lawrence First and Goal, uh, which uh, the foundation um, funds pediatric brain tumor research and cancer services. So those families out there who uh, you know have a young person who needs to go for treatment and you know they need food and lodging and travel and all those things for the family, uh, that money goes directly to the families as well. So again, a great cause. And uh, thanks again for being a part of that. Um, coach, as we wrap up here and you look at all the things you do as the coach, what would be the one thing you point to as giving your players the winning edge? You know what? I think it's uh, my guys play hard. You know, that, that, and that was something coming from North Dakota State that was a huge part of the culture that I learned as a player, as a GA, as a coach, you know, about effort, you know, and, and effort really equalizes talent and ability, you know. And, and that's one of the, that is the thing I've always prided myself when, when the players that I'm blessed to coach step on the field, those dudes play hard, you know, and, and we've got a deal where if they're that tired, where they can't give them max amount of effort, then it's okay to tap out and we'll get somebody else in. I try to build enough depth where people feel like we just keep crashing waves. Our guys keep coming in, they keep rolling in, they keep hitting, they keep running uh, because that, that effort, um, we're not going to be perfect all the time. You know, Coach Bowl used to say all the time, shoot, D linemen are about six to eight inches away from the offensive line. His step and his hands aren't going to always be perfect. He's not always going to react and, and play things the right way. But that strain, that effort, that 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 want to, that finish is always something that I think in, in all the, the, I'll say good and great defenses, because I've gotten a coach on both that I've been a part of, man, those guys play really hard. They play really, really hard, and it just makes up for a lot of mistakes. Um, there's a lot of turnovers that occur because guys are just flying to the ball. And and I can tell you as a former offensive player and coach, it's demoralizing when you get tackled to look up and see four, five, six dudes standing there celebrating with each other. You're like, where are these dudes coming from? You know what I mean? And uh, so that's the one thing I've always prided myself on is whether it's trying to identify the guys that play like that in high school. It's a big thing when I watch game film on guys is guys that play hard, but also you got to coach that too. And you got to develop that too. You got to mentor that in the guys. Some guys that's not, that's not, that's a second nature deal. It's not ingrained in them and getting them to believe that playing their absolute hardest will be the, the best for the team, the defense and our position group. And ultimately them personally, if that makes sense. So that, that's something I always hang my hat on that, that I, I won't ever change, you know, cause I believe that that is the difference in a lot of football games, if that makes sense. Coach, uh, before we go, for our listeners out there, if you would uh, share your recruiting areas, the um, your primary recruiting areas, secondary recruiting areas, where uh, if they have somebody sure. for you, they could get in touch with you. Yeah, sure. So I recruit uh, Spokane, so just about an hour about north of us here in Pullman. Uh, I also recruit Colorado. Um, I've got, the, I guess you would call it the southern part of Houston. Um, and then I've got the whole state of Florida. So, um, you know, that's uh, one thing I learned early on is uh, you're a lot better player, you're a lot better coach with good players, you know what I mean? And uh, um, the better players you can recruit, but not just better players, but better kids that you can recruit that, that want to be there. You know what I mean? I, I'm always really blunt with parents and kids and recruiting, man. I'm not trying to sell them anything that the squad man's not, you know what I mean? Because uh, for me, I'm a developmental guy. And so that means I need that kid to be there and I need that kid to want to be there. And I, I need that kid to know who I am, who, what our program's about and, and what our plan for that young man is there. So, um, yeah, th those are the areas I recruit. You know, you guys can hit me up on Twitter. It's uh, at coach coop 84. Um, 
again, coaching the edges at Washington State. So, yeah, I'm very fortunate, and I've recruited Florida before. I recruited Colorado for quite a few years. Um, Spokane's been my first year. That's a huge area because it's local for us. Um, and then Houston's – obviously, we all know how good Texas high school football is and Houston is. So, those are the areas I've got. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing those things with us here. And for our listeners, again, uh, if you do want to get that premium pass still available to the 15th for the month, go to lfgf.coachesclinic.com and check out the courses from all those speakers on CoachTube as well. And we'll share the links to all of those in our show notes. So, Coach, again, thank you for your time and good luck to you and the Cougars in 2021. Awesome. Hey, I really appreciate the opportunity and, and everything and, and this platform to be able to talk. And like I said, if coaches ever want to reach out and talk ball, man, I'm an open book. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I've been groomed and, and been developed very well by other coaches. So if people got questions about anything, uh, just let me know. I'm an open book, you know, everything in this game's recycled. So anything I can do to help other coaches out there, feel free to hit me up. And again, appreciate the opportunity. Go Cougs. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.